Hello, welcome to the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset Podcast, where it is all about helping amazing physicians just like you create a wealthy life free from burnout and with the financial security to practice medicine on your own terms. I'm your host, Dr. Elisa Zhang. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset Podcast. Today's subject is choosing where you do your banking. But before we dive into this topic, let me give you a little bit of insight on how this came up. There are many Facebook groups for physicians, which I discovered during the pandemic. Before the pandemic, I can't say that I use Facebook groups regularly. I had created a Facebook group page for my cousins on my mom's side of the family a long time ago, but we didn't actively use it and I had all forgotten about it or Facebook groups in general. I was first turned back to Facebook groups by people telling me to join PMG, but I always resisted because I'm actually not a mother. And while lots of people said it's fine, it's for any woman physician, it just didn't seem like that was a place for me. Fast forward to 2020, the pandemic comes up, we're all in our homes, and now the internet becomes my social connection to the world. So there were Facebook groups for physicians to talk about COVID and the COVID pandemic and what information we knew and information that was coming out. And soon as I discovered all these physician COVID Facebook groups, then I started discovering other Facebook groups. There are several Facebook groups where people will actually ask financial questions. One of the topics I've seen a lot of people post about is asking where people are banking and where they're getting the highest interest rates currently. There have been a lot of posts about Wealthfront, which seems to be a favorite because it's paying 5% interest. I'll talk more about Wealthfront later in this episode. But this got me thinking about having an episode on when to open a new bank and how to choose your banking in general. Most of the people listening to this podcast probably already have your checking and savings bank accounts all set up. But let's take a second look at where you are banking and see where we can optimize banking. So I'm just going to walk you through a story of how I chose my banking. For many years, I've held a personal checking account and savings account at Capital One, originally called Capital One 360 when I opened it. I opened my first Capital One 360 account in March of 2005, around the time I first started really educating myself on personal finance. Before then, I had checking and savings accounts at Charter One, which eventually got bought by Citizens Bank, and that's what it's known as today. That's where my parents opened my first bank account when I was a kid and they had a branch walking distance from where I lived. I actually knew the people at my local branch. There was a time where I went to the branch to deposit checks and withdraw cash. It was a time before smartphones were ubiquitous and apps were so useful. The account had no fees that I paid regularly, though I'm sure there were overdraft fees. And I know sometimes we'd open new accounts because we'd get gifts like a George Foreman grill. I don't remember what actions had to be taken or if there was a minimum balance to avoid a monthly fee. I actually still have two checking accounts at Citizens Bank that I've had since before opening my Capital One checking accounts. The accounts currently have no fees as long as I do a minimum number of transactions each month for each account. So I have automatic transfers between the two accounts to avoid those fees. I still find it useful at times to have a local bank in order to deposit cash or to get specific denominations of cash, like if I need $50 bills or $100 bills, or even a large number of $1 bills. When you depend on ATMs for cash, you're pretty much only getting $20 bills. Having a relationship with having a bank that actually has fiscal branches also allows me to use the service of their notary for free. And that does come up from time to time. 
Capital One 360 Performance Savings account is currently paying a 4.3% interest rate as of the time of this recording, which is December 1st, 2023. Their checking account is paying a 0.1% interest rate. I'm currently batching a number of recordings because at the time this episode releases, I'll be on vacation. And it's also due to that vacation that I decided to put together this episode as well. Allow me to explain. I'm traveling to Argentina and then boarding a ship to go to Antarctica. I am super excited. It will be my seventh continent. Travel is one of my passions. It's the biggest line item on my spending plan every year. In preparing for my trip, I researched the best way for how to pay for things, whether I would need local cash or I could use credit cards easily, and also how to get local cash. Most of the time when I travel internationally, I use a debit card to get cash from a local ATM in that country and then charge as much as possible to my Chase Sapphire credit card. What I learned about Argentina is that it's so much more complex than many other countries. Argentina has had super high inflation and the Argentine peso is quite unstable. There is an official exchange rate between the Argentine peso and the US dollar that fluctuates and is currently set around 360 Argentine pesos to $1. The people of Argentina don't want to keep their cash in their currency because of this inflation and much prefer to have US dollars. The government of Argentina greatly limits how much people can exchange pesos for dollars. This leads to a black market for U.S. currency with its own what's called the blue rate. If you use Western Union, you can actually get money in the blue rate. If you look at Western Union's website and say that you want to send money to Argentina, the rate for sending U.S. dollars to Argentina is 877.2 Argentine pesos per dollar when I looked it up recently which means having a greater than two times spending power with getting the money exchanged at that much higher rate. It's like having a 59% discount if you exchange at the blue rate instead of the official rate. With a little bit more research, I learned there's also something called the tourist rate, which falls somewhere between the official rate and the blue rate and currently exchanges in the 600 Argentine pesos to dollar range. This is the rate that's given to foreign credit cards. The tour agency that I use to book the cruise to Antarctica recommends just using your credit card wherever possible. I don't mean this to be an episode about money in Argentina, but I thought it was interesting enough to share. So back to banks. I also learned that Argentina ATMs have very high fees and exchange at the official low rate. They also limit greatly how much money you can get out of an ATM every time you use it. While I don't want to have to get cash from an ATM, if I'm in a bind for cash, it could be the best option for vendors who don't take credit cards. So enter Charles Schwab. When it comes to brokerages for investing, I generally recommend Vanguard, Fidelity, and Charles Schwab. I personally have accounts at Vanguard and Fidelity, and I'm familiar with Charles Schwab because my husband has had an account there since before we were married, but I didn't personally hold an account there until now. I recently opened a brokerage account and checking account when I learned that they have great checking accounts with debit cards where they refund any ATM fees occurred. They also have a great interest rate for their checking account, which is currently 0.45%, which beats the 0.1% I'm earning at Capital One. Their brokerage account cash currently earns the same 0.45%, so that's less great than a savings account. But a brokerage account is not really the same thing as a savings account, so... It is what it is. 
That being said, I don't normally chase interest rates for a fraction of a percent advantage. I did them in the past. I opened an Emirates account back in December 2005 when it was paying a higher interest rate than Capital One 360. That lasted a couple of years, but eventually I ended up moving everything back to Capital One and closed the Emirates account. Part of it was that the Capital One account had a lot more convenience factors to it. And I think the Emirates interest rate ended up falling to the same or even below Capital One. So it didn't make sense to have that extra account anymore. I've also considered opening an account with Ali and other bank people recommend with high interest rates. Then I decided it wasn't worth the hassle of opening new accounts and shifting money around and then closing the new account a few years later after my experience with Emirates. And this was when I was a grad student earning $20,000 a year. The difference I got paid in interest was minimal, but of course I also didn't have as much money in my savings bank account then compared to now. Over the years, Capital One has consistently paid on the higher end of high yield savings account comparable to Ali, though I did at some point have to open new savings accounts at Capital One to get their highest interest rate. I'm not sure why they do this, where the current savings account may not have a great interest rate, but if you open a new savings account, now you'll get the higher interest rate. But opening a new account when you already have account is actually super easy, and then the money can transfer essentially instantaneously. So it's annoying, but it's an annoying 5-10 minutes of my time. At one point, H.M. Bradley was drawing a lot of attention for paying high interest rates. H.M. Bradley positioned itself as a digital banking platform that rewards people for, quote, developing sound financial habits, end quote. They had different interest rate tiers depending on your financial activity. There was the base rate for having an open account. But then you would be in a higher tier interest rate if you had direct deposit and positive cash flow, meaning that more money was deposited than withdrawn from the account. The highest interest rate was given to people who spend a minimum amount on the H.M. Bradley credit card, which I'm not sure I agree with is sound financial habits. That to me really sounds more like a way to get people to charge on a credit card and potentially make money off them. But that's just me being a little suspicious of the financial industry, which I think is a good thing. Then in November 2023, H.M. Bradley announced that they are closing consumer deposit and credit card programs over the next 30 days less than four years after it launched its platform. When I have a bank account, I want to know that I'm just going to have it for decades. I don't want to be switching over to a place that's not going to be around for even five years. The current account I hear people switching over to is a Wealthfront cash account. Wealthfront announced its cash account on February 14, 2019. Wealthfront is an robo-advisor investment firm founded in 2008. As of November 3rd, 2023, Wealthfront's cash account pays a 5% interest rate. It also offers a cash bonus for depositing $25,000 or more into your first Wealthfront account. While FDIC typically insures up to $250,000 per depositor at banks, Wealthfront uses multiple partner banks to insure coverage of up to $8 million per depositor. You can also get a debit card for cash withdrawals, and it offers bill pay. So it's almost like an online high-yield savings account and checking account in one. Personally, I did investigate Wealthfront as a robo-investor account uh, many years ago. I ended up opening an account with Betterman instead of Wealthfront, but the two were pretty comparable. Ultimately, I closed the Betterman account and went with investing in index funds instead. As low as the fees were compared to a financial advisor, 
the fees still added up to being more than investing in Vanguard index funds. At this time, I have yet to open their cash account, though I have considered it and may do so in the future. Like I said, it seems to have the features of a checking account with the interest rate of a savings account, and that could be advantageous because I do end up keeping a few thousand dollars in my checking account so that I can just readily pay for my bills. Yes, I can easily move money between my checking account and savings account, but I just like to have the cushion. Even if I do open a Wealthfront cash account, I won't close my Capital One checking account, so I have it on hand if Wealthfront like H.M. Bradley, suddenly announces it's closing its cash accounts. I already have set up in my Capital One account all my automatic payments, as well as really anyone that I pay anything to by sending them a check directly through my Capital One account. Which brings me to the questions. What should you look for in bank accounts, and when should you consider moving where you do your banking business? So let's start with considering what services you're looking for when it comes to banking. I would recommend at a minimum having, one, a checking account with no fees that allows you to electronically pay your bills and transfer money easily between other financial accounts. And two, a high-yield savings account for your short- to mid-term savings and your emergency fund. If you want the ability to deposit cash and withdraw cash other than $20 bills at the ATM, then you'll want to have a no-fee checking account at a local bank or credit union that actually has physical branches that are convenient to you. Now, what criteria to look for when choosing who to bank with? I think the number one thing is probably convenience. It's got to be easy to move money around and transfer money to where you need it. This means cash and electronic transfers. This means having availability to get cash from ATMs with no fee. It also means having an easy-to-use website, app for your phone, and ideally both. I believe that bank accounts need a function to easily allow you to access your money. Your bank account is basically a guardian of your money, holding your money, but you still want to be able to easily do whatever you need to do with your money. You'll also want an account with no regularly incurred fees, like monthly fees, ATM fees, or transfer fees. And ideally, no minimum balance. There are some bank accounts that have no fee, but you have to have a minimum balance of sometimes a few thousand dollars. Ideally, your bank would also give you free checks. That's become more and more rare. Though when I banked in Virginia, there was a local bank called Town Bank that still gave free checks. The worst culprit for fees is overdraft fees, which you can avoid by not overdrafting your account. Of course, this can always accidentally happen. And if it does happen, I would encourage you to call and argue the fee and get the fee waived. The third thing to look for is what interest rate do they give? You want a competitive interest rate and at the high end of what's available. Checking accounts will generally have much lower rates than savings accounts. And lastly, or maybe what really should have been first, you want a bank you can trust. After the Wells Fargo shenanigans, you bet that I don't want to be doing any banking business with them. Theoretically, as long as your bank is FDIC insured, your money should be safe. But why would you want to support a company with a poor reputation or who's been caught doing shady things? You also probably don't want to deal with a bank that might actually close where you can't actually access your money for a while until the FDIC steps in, like what happened to Silicon Valley Bank. So given these criteria, how is your current bank or banks doing? Are they convenient and do they give you good service? If you hate your bank, maybe it's time to move. Are you paying regular fees? 
then in my opinion, it's time to switch. Are you getting a competitive interest rate on your savings account? Which currently I would say is 4% or higher. Of course, interest rates change with time. And so if you're listening to this episode many years later, you might say 4% is the stuff of dreams. After all, savings accounts were paying around 1% for a very long time, not that long ago. But if you're not getting somewhere in the 4% range, then I would encourage you to open an account where you can get a higher rate and that meets the other criteria and move the majority of your cash savings there. I've already mentioned Capital One and Alley Bank as being options, as well as looking into Wellfront's cash account. If you do decide to close your old checking account after opening a new checking account, it is advisable to keep it open for probably a couple of months with some funds in it, even after you think you've set up everything in the new account. It's possible that you've missed some automatic payment or some automatic transfer. Or it may even take another month for an automatic payment to move to the new account. For example, if your electric bill does an ACH transfer for payment each month from your old account, it may take a month or two after you change the information with your electric company for the electric company to make the transfer from your new account. Be sure not to close an account if you file your taxes and have requested direct deposit for your tax return into that account and you haven't received that direct deposit yet. If you have any treasuries at treasurydirect.gov, make sure to update your default bank account with treasurydirect.gov so when a treasury matures, it gets deposited appropriately to an open account and not to an account that you've closed. So just to recap, I encourage you to optimize your banking so that you are not paying fees and getting a decent interest rate while banking somewhere convenient. If you're getting less than 1% interest on your current savings account, which a lot of people are because the average savings account currently pays 0.46% interest, and it's around January 2024 when this podcast is releasing, then you need to move your money someplace with a higher than 4% interest rate. Of course, as I'm saying this, I'm a little worried that things could drastically change in the next month and maybe interest rates do crash. So remember, I'm recording this on December 1st, 2023. If the contents of this episode seem basic, that's great. I'm glad that you're on top of things with your banking. With the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset podcast, I do want to cover the whole breadth of personal finance and investing from the very beginner level to even advanced topics. So I do hope this is useful to at least some of the listeners out there. Thanks so much for listening to the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset podcast and have a wonderful new year. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could share it with your friends and colleagues. And now for the disclaimer. I am not a certified financial planner, accountant, or attorney, and nothing I say should be construed as professional investment, tax, or legal advice. This show is primarily for your education and entertainment. I am a physician, but I'm probably not your physician. So if you need any medical advice, please contact your own physician. Thank you.